Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, I am stoked about Easter week, um, especially during COVID. There's a lot of things that just get reset during uh, the time of COVID. One of those things is numbers of our ministries just hit, we hit the reset button. And if you are newer to K-First or if you've never served in First Impressions, that is, I know, a huge area of need right now is, is we wanting, we're wanting to relaunch greeters and ushers and such. So if you are interested in signing on and just serving once a month at the doors, greeting people with a smile, uh, even though they got a mask on, you smile with your eyes, uh, with a kind voice. If you want to sign up, hit us up here in the office, or you can email my admin, cam at kfirst.org, C-A-M at kfirst.org. We would love, uh, we'd love to get uh, more greeters, uh, friendly faces, friendly voices, welcoming people. Uh, you could serve with your kids. We've had kids serve uh, with their parents in these areas, but we would love uh, to have you be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 1 as we are wrapping up this series. Acts 1. Let me give a shout out to the Portage Central um, men's basketball team and the Kalamazoo Central women's basketball team. They both are district champs this past weekend. And so I'll give them massive props. Way to go central, even though my kids are grads of Northern, I will give props where props is due, unless it's the Dallas Cowboys and I ignore them all together. So I'm just excited about what, what just what's happening in the community. Things are opening up um, and things are getting back to somewhat some bit of normalcy here. Um, but I wanna to talk to you today about gifts. I don't know what you think of when you think of the best gift you've ever gotten or the worst gift you've ever gotten. Every, every, you know how your family tells certain stories every year? My, the story my family tells every year is the fact that for some reason, one of my sister's gifts always gets wrapped up in, with my name on it every Christmas. And as long as I can remember, because I'm a... I never wanted to offend my parents, and so I would open up a gift. It'd be like pink Reeboks. I'm like, oh, thank you, Mom and Dad. That's just so kind of you. I needed new shoes. And I just, you, know, you just try to play it off really well, and Mom's like, why did you open that up for? I'm like, my name was on it. And every year, it was just me opening up my sister's gifts with my name on it, and I don't know if they were hinting at anything or whatever, but all I knew is that was just a part of gift giving. And so I started just looking up stories about gifts uh, because I think gifts are important. I think they're necessary. I think it's great to utilize to bless somebody to tell them uh, what you think about them. Um, and I found this, this story about that unbelievable, amazing actor by the name of uh, Nicolas Cage. I'll admit, I'm not the biggest Nicolas Cage fan in the entire world, but uh, it says that when he was a young boy, his father gave him a little Pinocchio for Christmas. Being a boy, he was a little rough, at it, rough with it and broke its head off. So his father suggested they bury Pinocchio. The next morning, on the very place where they had buried Pinocchio, was a large wooden sculpture of Pinocchio. So the next day, Nicolas Cage went out burying all of his matchbox cars, toy planes, castle, and even his G.I. Joe doll, hoping they would transform into something larger. And although they didn't grow into anything to this day, Nicolas Cage says that that little Pinocchio moment was one of the best gifts because it gave him the gift of imagination, hope, and inspiration, which is what has propelled him in his career. 
Now, um, today I want to talk about gifts and not necessarily gifts that we're going to get and then we're going to bury hoping that it just grows into something. But I want to talk to you about the gifts that Jesus gives us uh, because when we, we have these conversations, these sermons, these messages on the Holy Spirit, we have to recognize the Holy Spirit was a gift to us. He is a gift. He is not an it. He is a he. It's not the forest like it's Star Wars. And I love Star Wars. I'm a, I'm a Trekkie. Don't judge me. I can live in both worlds. Um, I know the scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It does not apply to sci-fi. Um, but when it comes to this idea of the Spirit of God, we need to see that he is a gift to us in the church. He's a gift to us in the world. He is a gift that we need to appreciate. I love what James says. James chapter three, uh, excuse me, James chapter one, verse 17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, uh, with whom there is no variation nor shadow due to change. There's two great words I just want you to understand today because they help you understand that when God gives us gifts, they are good and they are perfect. The word good there in the Greek language is a superlative. It's a superlative. Um, uh, let's, how do we develop an idea of a superlative? Okay, let's think of this. Lately in Michigan, for us, it has been warm. If you go down to Tennessee, it's warmer. You go down to Florida, let's pick on my son. He's in Arizona right now. He is in a place that is warmest. All right? Um, so we've got like a flow here. When you put an E-S-T on the end of a word, you've now turned it to a superlative. You have made it into like the highest level that when God does something good, like there are good things that happen, and then all of a sudden you can have better days where gooder things happen. I know, don't, don't get me grammar police. And then you have the goodest moments like when the Lions win the Super Bowl next year, okay? You have the goodest moments. The superlative is something of excellence, something that is best, that, move, that, that is just above all. So the good gift that James says, God gives us good gifts. They are the goodest. They are the best. What God gives us. He doesn't give us stuff that just goes into the junk drawer. He gives us the best and also perfect gifts. That word perfect in the Greek language means useful or necessary. He gives things in order that, that we get the best that he has to offer. And it's not just the best. It is useful and necessary for our lives. And so when Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, we have to see the Holy Spirit in this same context. That this Holy Spirit is necessary for life. We need him because he is the best that we need to navigate this world. And when he is working in our life, he is useful and necessary for whatever we go through. And it's as if we, we hear Jesus saying the words in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Read these words. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus is saying is I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you something that is best, useful, and necessary because you're about to step into a culture. You're about, to, you're about to step into days of trouble and you're gonna need something to navigate through that. Now, Jesus was speaking to these disciples. In fact, he's speaking to 120 people in this moment. 
I should backtrack, he's actually speaking to about 500 people, 120 of which would stick around, go into the upper room in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, which we've been reading the past three weeks, and they receive the good, the bestest, the, the, the warmest, I'll try and think of all these superlatives, the best of the best gifts that would not just be useful, but necessary for whatever they were going to navigate through. Because when you saw the culture that they were facing, they were facing a culture that didn't want to welcome them. They were going to visit, they are going to go into a culture, some of which wanted to put them to death and some of which did put them to death. They were about to go into something that, that provided danger, threat, worry, and fear. And yet Jesus says, I'm not going to just send you out alone. You've got a mission, you've got purpose, but I'm not going to send you out without power from on high that's going to come in your life and help you navigate this world to carry my mission and to carry the gospel of hope to the ends of the earth. And when we read about this beautiful moment in the book of Acts, we get to recognize that the Spirit of God was given not just to this 120, but he was given to you and to me too. This is why in Acts 2, Peter says, listen, this gift this promise that was given is not just for us, but it's for your children and your children's children and for all of those who would be called. That tells me that the gift of the Spirit is not just for a select group. He is for all of us. He's for all of us, for every single one of us. The Holy Spirit is not just a Pentecostal thing. Some of you don't realize Pastor Dave is Pentecostal. It doesn't mean I handle snakes or, or swing from chandeliers or roller skate. I guess I roller skate. I don't know why roller skating was ever thrown into the whole Pentecostal thing. Some of you are not old enough to understand what even that reference is going to. But the, the Spirit of God is not just for Pentecostals. He's not just for the Assemblies of God or for KFIRST. He's not just for TBN. The Spirit of God is for all of us. Every single one of us, he is here for us. And when we place our faith in Jesus, the spirit of God is what draws us to Jesus and he takes up residence in us. And what we believe as a church here at this location, we believe, as many churches believe, that the spirit of God wants to be poured upon us in greater measure. That we, it's, like, it's like this, you give your heart to Jesus and it's like the glass gets full. When I was a kid's pastor for a short time in my life, I used to describe an empty glass, you put, you put yes, Jesus in your heart and you fill the glass. But when you ask for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, I remember just pouring the water into an already full glass and watching it overflow. This is what the Spirit of God desires to do in us, that there would be such an inflow in our life that our lives would outflow with his presence and his power. He's a gift. He's a gift I want you to grasp onto and to go after and to desire. He is an absolute gift. Now, this past Christmas, Christmas was different for all of us, I think, and we were just navigating Christmas in just a different way this year, but we actually got a chance to get together with Ann's brothers. I love her brothers. They're just fantastic guys. We have a lot of fun, and instead of buying gifts, I don't know about you, but when the family starts growing, you just want to find ways to not have to buy gifts for everybody because as adults, you know what we do is we just trade gift cards is all we do. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody gets together and trades like a $25 gift card and you're like, we could have saved each other cash and just said Merry Christmas and we're all good because we're all breaking even at this point. 
And we got together and they said, we're just gonna buy just like a simple, I think it was like a $20 gift, wrap it up and just do a gift exchange. Choose numbers and just do something fun. And sometimes you walk away with junk and you're in the car and you're like, how long do we have to keep that? Have you ever had that conversation about gifts that you were given? How long do we have to keep it? Where do we put it? And do we set it out next time they come over? That comes up a lot. But the gift that we walked away with, we were stoked. This may sound silly, we walked away with a popcorn maker. I haven't owned a popcorn maker since four score and seven years ago because this thing of microwave popcorn was invented and it just becomes the easy thing to do. You throw the popcorn in there, you set the number and you just wait for the thing to be done unless you're at Bible college and you have no numbers and then you cause all sorts of fires and stuff. But we're not gonna get into that story today. But we got this popcorn maker and we're like, how do you make popcorn again? It's like new technology, old technology. So we bought the bag of popcorn. It's got the little dish on top that melts the butter. Some of you are thinking about popcorn right now and you're hating my guts for it. And so all of a sudden this thing starts, the sound of it is like mesmerizing. It takes me back to 1984, Tigers win the World Series, eating popcorn, it's a great year. And all of a sudden it's like, why, why would we ever buy microwave ever again? And so nevertheless, we're, we're making the popcorn, we're you know, melting the butter, but when you make the popcorn, how many of you know when you got the popcorn maker that when you're done making the popcorn, you can have this monstrous bowl of popcorn, but what's left inside the popcorn maker? There's kernels. And there's always like a handful of kernels and you're thinking to yourself, how did you not respond to everything that was had taken place. Because it's the same popcorn maker that produced all of this. There's still some left here that do, did nothing. Same heat, same machine, same airflow, same everything, but yet there still isn't the same response. That I'm wondering if, if, how in the world can we have Holy Spirit driven services and yet there are some people that want to keep the Holy Spirit at bay, but we could see a, a service for which we've seen people healed, lives touched, people come to know Jesus, we've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet I've seen individuals that will just still sit there and say, as if their arms are folded, Holy Spirit, go mess with somebody else today. But it is my hope that we would see such a hunger and thirst for the presence of God in K-First, that we would be the type of people that would never fold our arms and say, we're just gonna be one of those kernels kind of left in the bag, left in the maker. But that we would be people that would say, listen, Spirit of God, just begin to blow in our life and begin to do whatever you want to do, shape what you wanna shape, change what you wanna change, do whatever you've gotta do because it's about your glory and about your honor. So my message today is simply this, let's jump in the popcorn maker. Let's jump into whatever the spirit of God is ready to do and say, God, just, that sounds so cheesy. Just pop the life. <laughs> pop our little bubbles. Pop our little comfort zones and do what you want to do. I don't want to be that person that says, spirit of God, bother somebody else. Jesus, do what you want to do. So there's two things I want to talk to you about today out of this simple scripture that leads us into the room where it's happening. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, how do you know Jesus says it? Because it's in red. That's just an easy question. It wasn't a trick question, guys. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. The power is what makes the difference. And it's power is what creates the change. 
Now, I spent 12 years of my life as a youth pastor, and I will be honest, um, there's things I do not miss about being a youth pastor. And I love youth ministry. 12 of the best years of my life. But I don't miss all-nighters. Some of you are like, what do you mean? Those were the best. All night with teenagers and, and pizza and Mountain Dew. I'm telling you, after like 1230, I was done. I want to go to bed. I'm hoping parents will show up and just magically pick their kids up. Um, that's when my friends are like, you're ready to be done with youth ministry when you can't handle those any longer. Or Cedar Point. Oh my word, I would, find, I would send teenagers on a, on, a, on a ride and I would take a nap on the bench because it's just tiring. I'm like, people are like, how old are you? Um, I don't miss youth ministry all that much, but one thing I do miss is mission trips. Taking, we take our high schoolers every year to a different country and we take our middle schoolers to another state and serve a city. It was two, so two to three trips every year, miss those days. And never, uh, it was always the moment where I would say, I need someone to share their story. And we would break out in arguments and frustrations with our teenagers because our teenagers would constantly give us this excuse. We don't have a story. Like, what are you talking about? Well, Last month we had Detroit, or sorry, Western Michigan Teen Challenge. They came and they shared, and they shared, shared stories about God saved them out of heroin, that God saved them out of prostitution, that God saved them out of alcoholism, that God saved them from cheering for the Packers, that God saved them from all of these addictions and brokenness in their life. And like, we've got nothing. What did God save us from? Eating too many Smarties? Like, I'm like, but you've got a story. Why? We didn't sin as much as somebody else. And that's where I want to just help our hearts today. And I want to help our lives to understand that the scripture says in Psalms chapter 34, I think it says, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say taste and see that the world is not good. It's taste and see that the Lord is good. And the best place to face the culture and the best way to face the culture is not by your experience with sin. It's by experiencing the spirit of God in your life. It's not about, okay, if you've tasted a lot of sin, you're gonna have a good story. But the fact is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans says. Every single one of us has sinned. And it's not about who has sinned more. Can we stop getting in arguments about who has sinned more? I have seen Christians argue about who has the better testimony. Man, I did this once in my life. You did that, let me tell you what I did. I'm like, can we just admit we all were a bunch of stinking messes? If it wasn't for the grace of God that saved a wretch like all of us, we'd all be innocent boat. But the power of your testimony doesn't come from your experience with sin or your history with sin. It comes from experiencing Jesus. Get that in your spirit. That the power of your story is from experiencing Jesus, not your history of sin. None of us have a better testimony than the other, because if we all have experienced Jesus, you've got a testimony, testimony that can transform somebody's life, somebody's heart. Scripture says you will receive power not when you get better sinning in your life. It's when you get the Holy Spirit. 
We need the power of Jesus living in us, operating in us. And if you've got Jesus, you've got the spirit of God in you. You've got a story of redemption and freedom to tell. You've got a story to share with somebody because we all were hopeless at one point in our life. We all had a lack of joy. We all had shattered peace. We all had nothing but destruction and hell in front of us. If it not be for the power of Jesus for which we celebrate this week. So let's be a people that let the spirit of God get a hold of us and let him give a revelation of us so that we go with the story of the redemption of what Jesus has done in us. That is what my hope is what what Wednesday is all about. We are literally setting up just an organic room in here. We're just gonna have worship playing in the background. No worship band. It's not about the band. We're just gonna come in and seek the face of God. If you wanna walk and pray, get on your face and pray, kneel and pray. You want to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You wanna pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is more than just tongues, but we believe, some, we believe that's where God started. Why would God start with the mouth? Can I tell you this? What is the most unruly thing in our life, it seems to this day and age? It's our mouth. She'd be like, well, it's our thumbs on Facebook. That's the extension of our mouth. And James tells us, and James, I believe it's James chapter three, that if the mouth can be brought under control, everything else just seems to follow. To me, it is no wonder why in the book of Acts, when the spirit of God comes upon them, that all of a sudden they begin to speak in other tongues, that all of a sudden that which got transformed first was the mouth, because maybe if the mouth gets transformed, everything else will follow. Imagine what will happen if we become a people of God that just let God anoint our mouths, because God will do more than just help you to speak in tongues. He will help you speak in English better. Some of you are saying, praise God, Pastor Dave, your grammar stinks. It's true. But I'm not talking about having better grammar. I'm talking about a people that let the light of God's, shine, God's power shine through our mouth by the way that we talk to each other and about each other and of each other. Let us be a people that the spirit of God flows from our mouth, whether we're talking English or other languages, let the praises of God flow out of our mouths. And it starts with us getting connected to the spirit of God. Um, one of my favorite things to watch is the Olympics. And I'm bummed that the Olympics didn't happen this past year because actually climbing was supposed to be in the Olympics this year. I have been bummed about that. But in, I think it was 1998, the Nagano Olympics, they ha actually had something happen they did not want to happen. You may not know this, when the Winter Olympics takes place, do you know what they don't, what the Olympic officials do not pray for during the Winter Olympics? They don't pray for snow because they set the conditions and they don't want any more snow. It sounds weird, doesn't it? But in the middle of the Nagano Olympics, there were three days of a blizzard that shut down all of the slopes and they, could not, they, could, they couldn't compete in anything. So CBS, at that time, they had the contract for the Olympics. They were making up things to put on the screen. They were researching athletes. They were talking about origin stories of how they got to the Olympics and they're trying to fill airtime. And they actually showed a clip of a study of a tree on one of the mountains there in Japan. And it may sound weird that they were talking about that, but the, this was the situation. The tree was, had fruit on it in the middle of winter in the middle of a blizzard and they weren't understanding, and so they started interviewing people, and they found out that the mountain that these trees were on was also an, a technically an active volcano. 
So the roots had gone down deep enough that they were actually warmed by the mountain that actually had lava within the mountain. And so because the roots were connected to something that was on fire, so to speak, it warmed them up enough so that it actually could do not more than just produce greenery, it produced fruit. I want you to understand that regardless of the conditions of the culture that we face, Pastor Dave, the world is bad right now. Life is bad right now. America's bad right now. Social media is, man, we've got enough naysayers on the TV and social media. But what if we stop rooting ourselves in the conditions of the culture and we rooted ourselves in the spirit of God? Jesus says, you will receive power. So let's get our roots into the power because if we can root ourselves into that which is the spirit of God, we're gonna produce something in the midst of this culture. Acts chapter two, the room where it happens, these 120, they go into the room, they get full of the spirit of God and they go and thousands come to know Jesus in the matter of a couple hours. How did they do that? They weren't rooted in what the culture told them to do or told them to be. They weren't rooted in government or the officials. They were rooted in the presence of the almighty. God, let us be a church that does that. Root ourselves in fire, root ourselves in lava so that no matter what storm comes our way, we produce something that will transform the world. This is why Paul, Apostle Paul writes in in Ephesians chapter five, he says this. He says, be not drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. The original Greek in this actually says this, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but keep on be or be being filled is the original language. Be being filled, sounds like bad grammar. Be being filled is actually this idea in the Greek of don't just be filled with the spirit, keep on being filled with the spirit. Keep on going back, keep on getting more. There's some people, there are some restaurants that recognize that when I come in, they know I'm gonna ask for about four or five glasses of sparkling water. Why? Because I'm constantly, I'm just constantly thirsty. And so I start drinking one, they start bringing the second one out. This idea of the Spirit of God is more than just, don't just show up and have a little bit, keep on going. Keep on going after the Spirit of God. Keep on seeking after the Spirit of God. Why? Because there's always more. It is a never-ending well that will never run dry. And if you are thirsty for the Spirit of God, the Scripture says that if you are thirsty, that you will be filled. It's time for us to be a people that go after the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God is not there to make us a better church. It's actually to help us to, be, to produce better lives. In fact, let me prove that from Ephesians because after we get this scripture, you know what comes after this? Paul says, keep on being filled because you know what it's going to do? Read the rest of chapter five and get into chapter six. You know what, what happens if you keep on getting filled? Husbands, you're gonna treat your wives better. Wives, you'll treat your husbands better. Kids, you'll treat your parents better. Parents, you'll treat your kids better. And if you are a worker and you've got some unruly bosses, you'll become a better coworker or someone that works underneath the boss. You'll become a better laborer. That this idea of the spirit of God is not to bedazzle our services on Sunday morning. Do people bedazzle anymore? Or is that just an 80s thing? The Spirit of God was more than just to jazz up our Sunday mornings or to jazz up a special service. The Spirit of God was there to transform us and to create us into a better human being that will go out into the world so that when people look at the church, they see that we don't look like the culture. We look like Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit of God. In fact, I wrote it this way. 
Spirit empowerment isn't meant to be contained on a Sunday morning, but to transform the entirety of our lives. God, give us such an experience that when we experience you, that people don't even recognize what they saw the day before. It has always been my prayer that when we have just moments on Sunday mornings, my prayer is that when you guys go back to work or to school or wherever you go on, on Monday morning, that people would see a dramatic difference in your life, not because you change your hair or you change the style of clothes. They just begin to see Jesus all over your life. So secondly, Jesus says that you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, would be my, you shall be my witnesses. If you have your Bible, circle the word witnesses. Some of y'all need to bring your Bibles and circle in your Bibles. You will be my witnesses. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus did not say, he didn't say that you would be my lawyers. He said you would be my witnesses. I love lawyers. Thank God for lawyers. But I wrote this down. Lawyers know the facts, and they're there to present the facts. Witnesses show up to court because they're there to not necessarily give, their, give facts. They're there to lend their experience. Facts are great. Information is great. Listen, I love apologetics. Apologetics and arguments, they're great. They're fine. They're, they have their place. But let me tell you this. What's going to transform people is not facting them to death. What will transform the people in your life is the experience that you have with Jesus. We can give them facts all day long. And you can fact people to death, but they need to see, they need a people who have been in the presence of Jesus and have experienced Jesus for who he really is. Something that I've experienced over 26 years of being at Anne's side. We've been together literally 26 years now. This May will be 23 years of marriage. And for all of the years that her and I have been together, um, there has always been a strategy that I have employed whenever we've gone to restaurants. I like suggesting things for her to eat that I would like to eat. Anybody, anybody, husbands, anybody else do that? But this is the problem, is I know she's gonna give me a bite, but she waits to the end to give me a bite. I want a bite in the beginning when the, you know, the food's hot. That would be the preference. Like fries. If you eat cold fries, you need Jesus and you don't have the spirit of God in you. And so when she gets fries, I want a fry or two in the beginning. But this is, a, this is the thing. She wants to eat her food and she waits to the very end to give me usually the last bite or two. Why? She waits to give me something when she's full. I've learned this, that it's, for her it's easier to give something when she's full. Because now she's, she's like, I've got my fill, I now have something left to give you. My goal as a pastor is not to give a congregation an opportunity to get a lot of information. It is my heart to see people with their missional life not get more educated, and Christian education is great. My goal is to see Christians not get more facts, and facts are great. My goal is that believers would get full of the Spirit of God. Because when we are full, you're ready to give. And if we stay full, we're ready to serve. When we're full, 
We, we don't live out of emptiness. We live out of that fullness. And I wonder if that's the problem of the church today is that we, we are so busy seeing what we don't have and seeing what we're owed. And I wonder if we can get in the place, if we could just seek the spirit of God and go after the spirit of God. And the more full we get of him, I wonder if we become a more missional people because Jesus said, if you receive power, you will end up being witnesses. And now what I love about that verbiage that he says is the word be. B-E, it's a simple two-letter word, but he didn't say that you're gonna get the Spirit of God and you're gonna go do witnessing. And listen, doing witnessing is okay. I'm not against that. But I, I think that we've actually turned witnessing into a ministry instead of seeing witnessing as being missional, the move of God. Because Jesus says, you're not gonna go do it. You're going to be a witness. You're going to become something. Jesus didn't give us a spirit just to be doers. He wants us to be his witnesses and to be his example. That's why Paul says, when the spirit comes upon you, when you get full of the spirit of God, you're going to be a better husband, better wife. You're gonna be a better child, a better parent, a better worker. You're gonna be a better servant and out and out and about because the spirit of God is what does the transformative power in our life. I've had people say for years, well, I can't be a witness. I don't know. I can't do it this way. There's no way I can serve because of my personality. I'm an introvert. Welcome, welcome to the world. I am too. We've got t-shirts. Um, listen, we, we can all talk about what we can't do. And there's, if we're talking about what we can't do as a church or what we can't do as an individual, that means that we are candidates for the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is what separates I can't from a God can. He wants to do something in us. So the question is, how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to read you Luke chapter 11. And um, Abby, if you come on out. Worship team, come on out. That way I'll shut up. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13 says... I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, will be, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead, will get, uh, instead of a fish, will give a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or then... Who you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, the Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? I love the way Jesus lays it out because now it doesn't seem all that, uh, that big of a deal, the verbiage that Jesus utilizes. It doesn't seem like a big deal because there are some students in here that are like, man, I love if my dad gave me a snake. That would be amazing. Um, in this culture, the snakes were all venomous. Scorpions can kill you. But he, Jesus utilizes very specific words. He says, what father among you if his son asks for a fish? Or if he asks for an egg? Why did he use those two specific things? Because those things were just ordinary, everyday meal things to the people of that culture. He, he didn't say, if you ask for a filet mignon, what father will give you? Why didn't he bring up something like that? Uh, number one, that was never brought up in scripture. Uh, number two, because that, that would be like a special night thing. He was using ordinary everyday food, ordinary everyday images, 
ordinary, everyday situations. Why? Because Jesus was trying to paint a picture about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not meant for the special moments of the year. He was meant for the everyday moments of our life. The Spirit of God wants to do more than Sunday morning stuff, Wednesday night prayer meetings. He wants to be involved every part of your life. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? We simply ask, we seek, we knock. And Jesus says that the heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It's a beautiful passage all about the Trinity because Jesus is speaking about the father who is gonna give the spirit of God. All we have to do is ask. Just simply ask and he'll give. Seek and we'll find. Just knock and it'll be opened up. But all we have to do is access the Father. Thinking about gifts, this a uh, couple months ago, three months ago or so, we ended up changing cars. We got rid of, we got rid of the cranberry and we bought the blackberry. That my, my kids have been naming our cars since they were little. And something that I did when I was cleaning out the cranberry is I was cleaning out the, the armrest and found some gift cards I didn't realize that I had. And that's kind of cool, but like you get all excited and you look up like the Taco Bell gift card and you find out there's a dollar seventeen on it and you're trying to figure out if it's worth even keeping. And then you find a Celebration Cinema one. I'm like, there's 21 bucks on there. And I'm, oh, that's, I'm gonna watch Godzilla. That's perfect, perfect, perfect timing. Thank you, Jesus. But you start going through and you start accessing all of those to find out all the balances. But one of the greatest things that has ever come out for the economy itself and for local businesses is the invention of the gift card. And you're like, why is that one of the greatest inventions? Because statistics say that one third of all gift cards never get used once. One third. Which means that someone's paying cash and never getting really it used in return, businesses end up getting blessed because of that. It's great for local business and it, well, stinks for you guys. One third of you are not using your gift cards. And when I read that, I began to say, Lord Jesus, let that never be said of the Spirit of God when it comes to the local church. Let that not be said of us. Let that not be said of us in the local church body that we've got a gift given to us, a gift put in our hands and a gift placed in our heart, that we would be a people that would just stop accessing the gift given to us, that the church would be full of kernels that haven't popped, that we would come in and we have just a moment and we walk away unchanged, I say in the words that Emily led this morning, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. In this gift of the Spirit of God, he is good and perfect. He is full of power. He is best, he's the bestest. He is necessary and he is useful. And he is not gonna make us do anything I grew up hearing the preaching. I don't know if any of you heard this preaching growing up. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I think of, I think of the picture, the old painting of Jesus knocking on a door and there's no doorknob on the outside. He's knocking on the door waiting for you to make your heart available to him. All I'm asking today is for your openness to the Spirit of God to move 
and say, Jesus, today you're welcome here. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do whatever you want. We're gonna go into a time of worship today and ask that you would do that in this worship time. We're gonna invite you in just a minute to stand. And I would just really strongly recommend that if you could just kind of shut down the focus on those that are sitting around you and have a moment with the Lord today to act as if it's just you and Jesus in the room. And take this approach that Luke tells us about. Would you simply ask Jesus in? And would you just seek the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, like a wind, would you blow in my life to transform and to change me? Bow your heads. Jesus, today, this is your time. This place is yours. This room is yours. And Lord, when we say this room, we mean more than 5550 Oakland Drive, Portage, Michigan, 49024. And this room is great. But Lord God, there's more than just people in this room. There are people that are watching from numbers of rooms. And Lord, so Lord, we say this room, our lives, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, let this become the room where it happens. Lord, we want to dive in the popcorn maker. We want to dive in the place where it's happening because we want to be transformed. And so Spirit of God, just begin to blow on our lives. Work the miraculous. Fill us the capacity with your presence and transform us. Just transform us. Could we stand in this place?